0: Hi and welcome everyone to a very special episode. This is our first English episode of our Digital Transformers podcast. My name is Charles and I'm delighted to be the host of this episode. A couple of weeks ago, I had the pleasure to speak to a very special guest of ours, Marco Vilinius from Finland. He's a professor in future studies, author and speaker. And also recently, he started a YouTube channel where he travels the world and talks about the future building an online futurist community for all of you to participate. The link to that will be in the description. I was able to ask Maku what technologies could look like in the next 50 years. Why innovation is not only important for businesses to stay in business, but what impact it has on our society. I was also able to ask what open questions companies can ask themselves to properly prepare for the future. Enjoy listening. Hi, Maku. It's great to hear have you here on our podcast. We've got a very exciting topic for today's episode. But before we get into that, could you give us a short introduction of yourself and maybe some background information on your previous work? Oh, thanks,
1: Charles, and, and thanks for inviting me to, to be part of your podcast series. Um, so, um, first of all, uh, I come from Finland, up in the north, where... Uh, I have been working on the foresight and future studies um, kind of a topics and issues now about thirty years. Uh, sort of as my base has been an academic, but I've been very much into uh, building uh, relationships and uh, projects and initiatives in a, in a corporate world. also working for uh, for a good number of governments. Uh, I spent most of my last two years in Dubai where I was helping. The government of Dubai to understand the options of their future now that the oil era is slowly ending. Uh, recently we see that it's actually very rapidly ending but anyway that's another topic. So basically uh, as a futurist uh, I, how I kind of differentiate myself from from other strategist is that what I try to do is that to link the past present and the long future. And to try to make sense how these changes and transformations, uh, sometimes dramatic, sometimes slow, actually take place. So it's a kind of a science of change, as I like to say.
0: Okay, it sounds like you've had a very, very impactful career already. If we could dive a little bit deeper on your work that you do with companies, what is your, exa- what is your ex- job that you do? What do the companies expect from you?
1: Well. If companies are calling me, they usually they feel that they are a bit stuck in where they are and it's hard for them to uh, find the ways how they could kind of uh, rejuvenate, regenerate you could say, uh, the company, whether it's about its mission, whether it's about its products, whether it's about how to deal with the employee, whether it's about how to deal with the customers, whether it's about how to deal with the society. Um, In any of these uh, leads, I would say, uh, if you start to work on one, you start to also to see the implications for the other. Because uh, companies are like systems, and, and, and systems are defined by the way that they interact within themselves, and within themselves as they also work then with with their customers and other stakeholders. But it's very important to see that it it is a whole, and it needs to be treated as a whole. Uh, But that doesn't mean that we are just looking at this big hole, we need to start from somewhere, we need to start interventions. And that's where I come in, because uh, what I can do with them is to ask right type of the questions right in the beginning. Right type of the questions are actually quite hard to do. And most of the people don't know how to deal with that because it's uh, they often comes uh, uh, or people often think that they have to have the answers uh, and they have to judge. Whereas I think that you need to have a a bunch of open questions that lead you to think about things that you often either think that they are in the margin, or you omit them upon one or another reason, or that they are more or less like a taboos inside the companies. And if you don't kind of deal with them, even if they are the beginning, they are small, they start to grow and enlarge and take a lot of positions. And they become like fears. And fears are something that many companies have been crippled with. Uh, again, one of the reasons that they, they feel that they are stuck because they cannot deal with the issues that are important for the company. So you need to kind of uh, help them to deal with those tough issues. And then lastly, of course, the issue around the future. And uh, again, uh, I do have a crystal ball, <laughs> but my crystal ball is sometimes very <laughs> dubious. It's, uh, it doesn't give any clear answers, really. So. Um, but what you can do, again, is to make a, kind of a intelligent questions about the future and, and thereby lead your thinking that how future will be different, how future will be same. And this kind of a cocktail that comes around, uh, uh, kind of emanates from those questions, will be then the ones in which companies see that, okay, this is the universe of the future, that they can they can, uh, they need to be dealing with and decide upon these different universe, the pieces of the universe, which is the part of the, which is the star that they're gonna be headed towards, and, and, and 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 that needs some techniques. Of course, this is, uh, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm I'm a very technical guy <laughs> in the, in that sense. So you need to have a procedures. You need to know how to lead these type of the inquiries. Uh, Otherwise, you are just ending up with a chaos and a mess. And so that's um, and there it's very important that you know how to how to lead these uh, discussions.
0: Wow. Um, I have a question. So if I were a company, what would be one of those open questions or nullable questions that you would ask me uh, to for us to think more about our future, to get more perspective?
1: So typically, uh, the one of the open questions is this, that what is your area of business in the future? Well, let's say that you are manufacturing cars. Is Are you going to be manufacturing cars in the 10 years for now? Or are you going to be manufacturing software systems or something which is between the software systems and the cars? Um, are you going to lead from your manufacturing cars into manufacturing uh, airplanes? Um, all those things have to be sort of asked because when you come and start to work in this way, kind of a, a building your own foresight, uh, the, all these questions have to be opened up. Also, the very interesting question for the companies is, usually, where, where do my revenues come from? OK, you have the, you, you have the kind of a, the history. Where they have come from, but is that really true? From ten years now, again, if you if you if you look at your track, and particularly if you are older company, you see that your the the revenue streams tend to change over the time because societies change, needs are changing, technology is changing, everything's changing. So you probably don't be just there where you were in, even in a five years time. So this kind of understanding what is changing, why it is changing, if you can have a, any kind of a reasonable foresight on that, then that gives you the, the kind of a evidence to start to be prepare that before it is at your doorstep.
0: I definitely think that some car companies in Germany could definitely <laughs> use, use that open question. Um, Before, you know, because I think a lot of them have just realized now that, I mean, the way that, you know, the automobile industry is, it's not going to be like that forever. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, especially from outside pressures and new technologies coming. Yeah, they they need to hurry up and uh, start doing more innovation. Yeah, Um, If we look at technologies in the future, uh, what do you think like technologies could look like in in, like 50 years?
1: 15 or 50
0: Fifty. Fifty. <laughs>
1: okay, five zero. So how I see it now is that I like to think in terms of drivers that drive those changes rather than just the technologies themselves. So from my perspective, what is now happening and it's going to continue for a couple of decades, is this massive search for resource efficiency. Uh, again, if you go to the cars, uh, it, there is incredible kind of a very speedy race towards more efficiency in the car. You know, the, the, from, from the engines to the chassis to the way it interacts with other systems uh, or road systems, other cars and so forth. To build a much more intelligent way of actually going from A to B uh, uh, that, that, that started to take kind of a shape in this modern form uh, around 100 years ago. And it's still a kind of a very much sort of an ongoing process. Um, uh, so, so, so resource efficiency is a, is a big deal. But then comes the next what I see particularly taking place in the, in the latter part of the century, which is biological systems. So, biological systems will overtake uh, our sort of um, mineral fossil based systems uh, very much. So, and then that will what we're going to see in uh, materials, that's what we're going to see in medicines, health, everything that we do here as a, as a kind of a human cultures. what do we produce here? Uh, goes into the uh, biology, and particularly because you see much more intelligent um, uh, systems there. I mean, we don't know very little. Let's take algae, for instance, which is the most complex uh, biological systems on Earth. We probably know 1% to 2% what they represent in terms of their propensities, in terms of their kind of a intellect. Uh, and there is a lot of research that is going on, but it 's only in the very tiny beginning and and so um, again uh, we, we we are still in very much in the beginning of that role that 's why i 'm saying it 's going to happen in the latter part of the century that but that will change because what is ultimately the reason that why we want to progress in our societies? we come to realize that it 's not just that we, we we generate better sort of a uh, well-being for ourselves and more wealth and more, yeah, more economic progress. But the purpose of the life seems to be more and more really about living in this kind of a dynamic harmony with our environment, with our, with our nature, uh, because that's on, that's the only way how we can build any kind of sustainability. That's why we can really, in any sense, say that, okay, we are building something that the next generations will have it much better than us, uh, because now, obviously, we, we see the ramifications of the industrial way of doing things. And, 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 and it's a massive blow up of our systems, our ecosystems and destruction of the most of them. So, so it's so clear now. And, and now that we are in the middle of Ukraine and the Russian crisis, we see that all this, what we have produced as our economy, is sort of a falling down because of the wrong premises on which we have built our economy
0: yeah i think i think the point you touched on like having a more symbiotic relationship to nature and like giving it the amount of respect it, it deserves uh because we only have like one planet earth and uh i think that that is a, a, a an obvious point that we we should be be focusing on in the future. Now regarding our economy um in one of your talks you said that the economic economic power structures were changing and that you would prefer that our economy was not rather based on competition but more on partnership and solidarity Mm. uh what what does one understand by that and Mm. how how do you think companies could adapt to this change in our economy
1: okay very good look let me explain this a little bit um, because this is based on uh, my understanding how actually uh, our societies function, of which economy is a part, but only a part. So we have sort of a three domains basically we have the economy, but we also have a culture and we have the social aspect of our societies. Now, when it comes to the culture, let's start from there. Um, we need to ask what is the principle of our culture? And uh and I would claim that our the principle of the culture is expression. It's a free expression, kind of a creativity that comes out of the human being. Now, if you curb that self-expression as it happens in Russia, as it happens in China and many other parts of the world, what happens? You get a society which is not freely expressing itself and people don't feel happy about it. That's that's the one thing that you can be sure about. So it's a it's a natural thing that people to express. And, and we need to, as societies, give the ground to that. And we all agree, by the way, on that, apart from those couple of guys on the top. Now, the next thing is it's the social. So what is particularly about the social? The social is about having equality and justice. Equality and justice. And again, you look all around the world. And, and you see that there is, a, uh, there is an effort, at least, to build this kind of a equal and just societies. Of course, we are not always very successful with that, but you know, like, let's, let's look at the Nordic countries, which usually is like a role model for the rest of the world. We have gone pretty far to define that a, there is a equality. There is not this dramatic differences between different um, income cohorts, for instance. So we try to keep it kind of equal and just so that everyone in that society feels that, okay, they are part of that, they get their kind of an equal share, more or less. Uh, and we all agree on that. And when we come to the third aspect, a third part, a third domain of the society, which is economy, our understanding differs dramatically. When you go to the most of the business school, also the one that I, where I'm a professor, It might be that um, some people say, um, yeah, it's it's about the collaboration, but majority, by far, say that uh, it's about the competition, and this is how we teach about it. And and that's how we essentially have been building uh, our economies and our businesses, that they are competent, competitive. And I say that there there is some truth in that. We need to be competitive. That's not the point. But... But again, when I look at the principle, from the point of view of principle, how that economy should work, I see that, uh, that the collaboration, and I would say even uh, solidarity, should be the underlying motive and the theme down there. Because you look at the businesses these days, and, and those that can really build on sustainable, competitive edge, They are highly collaborative in their efforts. And uh, and I see that uh, unless we start to think this as a a starting point for for economy and business to grow, we're going to see all this kind of a wrong type of the dependencies that we see currently in the world. When we become uh, too much dependent, let's say, on wrong kinds of the raw materials or that the, the, some of the big companies, they are t- kind of a, uh, kind of a eating up the small ones, creating their monopolies that are always bad uh, for, for any kind of a business sector. Um, so um, as it is in nature, in the ecosystems, and we have been kind of infusing a lot of ecosystems thinking now in our businesses in the last 15 to 20 years, we can see that, well, ecosystems flourish if there is a much more collaboration than competition so what is kind of a what they call the competition but it is actually that uh, yes rather build partnerships of different kinds uh, and build that uniqueness in there that enable only you grow but the others around you to grow and prosper as well and the last thing about the economy is this uh, the the economy has come to dominate these other spheres of culture and social and you can see it in, in the, even in the language how we are using uh, the language of the, of the economy when we talk about the culture and the social and, and that has caused enormous amount of harm and, and caused the kind of societies that think only in 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 terms of the in in terms of the businesses and economic growth, and and that can be really detrimental. and and as I see it, we are getting slowly out of that, but we need to understand this kind of a, a trinity of 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 the different domains of the society, and and each of them having a principles that uh, on which they should be operating. Only then we can build any kind of a. Uh, sustainability and really kind of a long term success for our co- uh, for our societies, but also for our businesses.
0: It, it sounds like it's a real like sustainable way of, of thinking about the economy in the future, because my assumption always was that like the market and innovation was driven by this competition between the companies. But now you're saying that it's, it would be better if they had a more a collaborative and, and solidarity like approach uh, towards each other. What would it look like in the companies? Because you said uh, also that you, you, you are not a big fan of our traditional hierarchies in operations and that you think there should be uh, different feedback loops and it uh, should be more a bottom-up approach.
1: Right. Yeah, so what we see happening currently that organizations, companies are sort of quite i would say sometimes desperately but but also just uh, uh, just as seriously seeking the way how they can streamline uh, their operations how they can be faster in reacting what's going on in the market what's going on in the mind of the customer how they can more tailor their products and services and they come to realize that, uh, uh, that they have to change themselves in order to be better with their clients. Um, and how to become better is that everything that nags our businesses, everything that prevents businesses to, 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 to do all those uh, um, extreme, extremely uh, kind of fast and, and, and good things. For the customers is happening because there is a lack of communication so most of the problems in the organizations are indeed a lack of communication lack of right type of the interaction between the people between the units between them and the customers between them and society and so forth so if we tackle that part of the how can we enhance the quality of the communication uh, we start to see very different type of business processes, um, and I I've a lot of research on that area, trying to understand where are the best uh, 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 um, examples of that type of the business that kind of a uh, shies away from this old uh, industrial way of, of being hierarchical and and uh, and uh, kind of a le- led from the top, and while that was a good way to run businesses when it was a scarcity of the information that is no longer true in our world where there is abundance of the information so uh, and where actually people are much more informed people are much more educated simply so in that type of the world you need to have a very type, different kind of a way how you run your company simply uh, to make sure that you are using the intelligence that is embedded in this organization. And that you cannot do in the old style, in the old hierarchical style where people are just a, kind of a, put into the different uh, certain tasks and positions and they stay there and they, they, they have their mandate and they do exactly that, or just that, and then they report to their bosses and this is how, the, how it works. That cannot be the future
0: but don't you think that our like i mean maybe this is a like a very past way of, of looking at things but i always thought there was an uh, my assumption was that our society and the way we interact with humans was always built on a hierarchy because uh, one always has like you, you always would want to you start at the bottom and then when you grow up and then you sort of in your job, you climb the hierarchy ladder mm. and then like sort of strive to become like uh, a leader or uh, sort of the, I think in the animal kingdom, you would say like alpha of the pack. Mm. And then the, the, the people below him would like mm. uh, would, would, would take leadership from this person. And I think, uh, so you, you don't think that this is a, a, a good model? Well, the wolf
1: cat pack model was good at the time when we were like a small tribes around the earth and, and scattered and and there were only few of us and so forth. Maybe that well, that was that was the hierarchical system of that time or organizational system of that time, and then uh, then obviously came different kind of organizations like an army and church, which still exist and which actually built this kind of a hierarchical model um And then came uh the uh the system where it 's kind of a um uh system that the modern corporation started to use two hundred years ago, which is b- built on this kind of a competence system so you it's 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 mostly based on the competence um that each other person kind of represent in the organization still very much hierarchical but much more dynamic than the, the army and the church now uh, uh now we are moving to the next phase, where, where there is a very different kind of organization, again, based on what I already said, which is about the kind of a surplus amount of information and more, much more educated people. Um, and uh, so we need to always to understand that different historical uh, times need different types of the organization. So we cannot just uh, be stuck in the past. Uh, in terms of the organizational structures, if the society and everything around it is changing, so we need to kind of adapt to these new conditions and make best of it.
0: Okay, yeah, that that def- definitely definitely makes sense. Okay, so so my next question would be, there's the and there's an experiment that John B. Uh, Calhoun uh, did on, on mice, where he gave the mice food, um, enough place to shelter, peace. And uh, they were very complacent, and in this absence of thriving, they they destructed uh, in this experiment. Do you think that complacency for humans is also uh, destruction, the end of humanity?
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) we see we see a lot of we see a lot of uh, examples of this complacency. Um, we're we are talking now early April, and, and we see what the type of the destruction is going on around the world, all based on this complacency, actually, um, and it's um it's something uh, again that people don't understand how the times are changing, and they are stuck with the past with their with their models of uh, kind of their mental models, very much derived, deriving from the past, and what happens. You completely lose your sense of reality. You're absolutely cut off from the reality. This is exactly what has happened with Putin, but also many others. So they don't realize how the times are changing. And, and if you are in that kind of a power position, that, that has a that has a huge impact around the world. So if you want to be more intelligent with this, we need to be seeing this when this starts thing, this kind of a thing start to emerge when you can start to see sort of the pattern because the pattern is always there and the more you are cut off with the reality the more you are patternized the more you are just repeating the pattern the behavioral pattern that yeah that you have picked from the past now my teaching goes that future is always open we future should never be coercive The idea of the future is that we are not pushing things to happen. We allow things to happen. We are opening up. And and we see the opportunities as we see also the challenges. Because usually the challenges is how do we get rid of the past? How do we get rid of our dependency of the oil, the coal, all these fossil fuels that are destroying our planet? So how do we get rid of that is the question. And that's the challenge and then there is this opportunity which is different which is something new and which actually invites us so the future is about the invitations we just need to be hearing those invitations and we start to hear them if we get this load of the past off our shoulders and and we start to be more free to be open for the future
0: very nice. To bring this like now back to companies, uh, would you say in some way that uh, the responsibility of company owners and uh, transformation leads is to let's say save save society and humanity through their innovations?
1: Well, the thing is this: um, every company should have a mission, which is more than giving something to their shareholders and it is not only because there is some kind of a responsibility but it is actually because that's the way that you can flourish with your company when you think in terms of what can i contribute to the society what is it that we are really contributing because not only then you're gonna have a much nicer bottom line but also you're gonna have a people that are much more engaged so engagement. Is becoming much more important as an as an asset for the company because all the other assets seems to be kind of a equalizing. We have a huge amount of information, all of us available, and uh, uh, and 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 resources of all kinds. So, what distinguishes the good companies and the best companies from the from the lousy companies or just average companies is the way that. They are using this human capital in the best possible way. And that is not an easy thing to do, particularly if you have been very much kind of a tied to the past in, in the way that you traditionally have been thinking about how to engage people. The engagement of the people and the result of the company in terms of you know how much you actually profit, there is a very, very direct and harsh correlation there. Uh, of which very uh, few, actually, company leaders are really uh, aware of.
0: Wow. So if you've if you've come to a place like say as a as a company and you're you're more standing still because you said earlier a lot of companies approach you because they they feel they're they're stagnant. What would what would happen if 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 they're very complacent and they and they don't sort of start continue innovating, continue continue expanding? What happens to these companies if they if they don't adjust to the future?
1: Well, they disappear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's probably pretty pretty obvious. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, you have a lot of statistics around it. Actually, uh, the turnover in that sense is is becoming much harsher. So, the the average time of the company, according to some studies, has halved in, in the last twenty years. So that's a real thing. I mean, and, and, and that's a real threat, <laughs> if you look at it from that perspective.
0: What, what would be an actionable step that a company could take today if it's either asking a question to themselves or, or anything else? What could a company do to, to say, okay, to become more innovative, to adjust for the future, to prepare for the future?
1: So my simple answer to that is that we need to start asking open questions. Where and and these open questions has to deal with the, with the future. So we try to place ourselves between. Okay, here we are now, and that's the future, and what's going to happen between? And uh, but the first thing is that we need to stretch our imagination uh, with these questions. Where is our business in the ten years from now? where is our, our, our competitive edge in 10 years now where where does where does our turnover comes from what are our products and services how our organization look like what are the key values of the company in the 10 years from now and then we look at the what the situation did do we, we do a deep dive try to look at the reality as it is kind of a take away all these kind of a nice things this kind of our illusion how well how good we are or even sometimes how bad we are and we look at the real reality and and then we kind of a stretch from okay this is where we want to go this is where we are so how do we actually get there how can we imagine the ways that we are getting there and that's our type of the soul searching we need to be doing then and 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 it's usually a, a, a kind of a a matter of prioritizing prioritizing in in terms of, you know, looking at, okay, first thing is that we need to be looking at this, and then after that, we're looking at the others, because in the end, all things are, of course, connected, but you need to start from somewhere, and you just don't need to look at, you know, the kind of big hole, you need to see the whole picture, but you need to also to be very concrete when you start from somewhere, and so, and as I said previously, usually I feel that the the best way to do that is the first to in, to make sure that people are engaged and if they are not engaged then you need to ask from them okay how how could you be more engaged what would you do the trick for you and they might say that okay uh, not only that you know i want to have more money <laughs> maybe some of them even may say that and that's of course the part of the problem but But much more, people are also interested in how they can have an ownership of the company's future. How they build the role of the company's future in terms of their competence, in their skills and know-how, and how they can develop themselves. What kind of tools company gives for them to develop themselves as professionals, but also as human beings. And once you start to look at those things, then also the ideas come to to the play. And... And usually, as, as I have seen it time and again, the best ideas about the future of the company does not necessarily come from the top management. It comes from different sized part of the companies uh, and where people, some of the people are much more able to express the things that the others are seeing, but they, but they, don't, they don't find the words or, or the concepts to express that. And that's the way you start to see that, okay, This is what with the kind of a form and the the type of the businesses we start to see that this is emerging, this is our role, this is our mission, this is the way that we can contribute to society. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we are not businessmen, we are human beings and we want to say something to our kids by the end of the day, what have we done uh, to do the society better, not just to how we gain money. Uh, and to bring bread to our table in the morning, so 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 that is the way that I, I approach this question and and see that you know the human capital, as I said before, the human capital is the most important asset of any company
0: i think that 's a really positive way of looking at it, and it gives me hope for the future that the individuals they 're more taken uh, there 's more care taken over from the companies for the individuals they care about their people, about society. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take on responsibility, and this is a sort of this trend of like consciousness sort of increasing for as our a uh, society. It's really great. I think we could we could touch on so many more points, <laughs> Naku, and I think you've given so many good uh, actionable uh, uh, thoughts and food for thought for the companies and for the people in your in your last comment. There, it's been such a pleasure. You said earlier you wanted to shout out your YouTube channel that you're starting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Charles. Yeah, so uh, just uh, to out this discussion, I'm also taking quite a few steps to to make sort of uh, possible for people to to if they want to, to to hear what I what I got to say about uh, how to how to build a better uh, organization and the companies and businesses and and I'm now launching sort of a traveling futurist Marco Villenius web, uh YouTube channel. And so you are—you—you you will be invited to, to 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 listen to my 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 insights from there and and, and starting uh, the dialogue also for there because it's going to be a very interactive um, uh, way that I want to build this kind of a futures community uh, for all to participate and and, and get they get their insights and gains from there uh, to work for the better future. Could you could you repeat the name Maku of your of the channel? So that everybody can find yeah, it. Yeah, so it's a Traveling Futurist. Traveling Futurist. That's a Traveling Futurist. And then my name, Marco, uh, uh, of course, there as well.
0: <laughs> the Traveling Futurist, Marco. Great. Everybody, I really recommend uh, you check that out. I think it's so valuable when like thought leaders and professors share their knowledge because it really does. You really can see the impact that mm. it uh, makes on society. I think that's uh, really great. Thank you again, Maku, <laughs> uh, for taking your time. It was such an honor, and um, thank. You. Yeah, I'd love to have you here again to talk about the future.
1: Thank you, thank you very much, Charles. Thank you for all the team, and and uh, and and hope to be back at some point in the future. Thank you very much.